0: As an educator, you've been leading students to grow, learn, and achieve for years. Take your passion to the next level by earning your doctoral degree in education online at Grand Canyon University. Become a change agent and help identify emerging trends in K-12 education. Develop innovative solutions and make measured improvements. What do you think making a difference in education looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.
1: Welcome to another edition of Two Upfront, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is
0: Simon Provane. Simon,
1: it's been too long. I'm glad we're back together once again.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, it's, it's been a week for us. So That's it's too long. <laughs> Far too long. I love that you say that. You've done course, a
1: show without me already, so I feel like I've been replaced. Right,
0: right. And for those of you, again, I just want to throw out there, for those of you who... We're trying to tune in anyways on Sunday with our special edition show of uh, Soccer Culture in Milwaukee. It was a good show. It was. Except for the audio issues that I was having. So uh, I need a little bit more training. You know, you can I, teach an old dog new tricks. I know a guy, Simon. But, uh, I'll help you out. <laughs> I'll help you out. We'll get, so, you, we'll get you hooked up. Yeah, you know, that was our first, first. well, actually kind of our second part of the pub crawl because we were at moran's pub in yes. south milwaukee earlier yes, in the year uh, we were at the highbury in milwaukee on sunday planning on a visit the other places three lions mm-hmm. nomad the upper 90 so we'll uh we'll be doing those and before we do i'll make sure i know what i'm doing with the audio absolutely equipment and hopefully time. i can be there that, that, that would be time, fantastic
1: too. you know it's just kind of how it worked in our life schedules but we made yeah. it work
0: yeah. yeah i just thought it was odd for once you were the one who couldn't be there and and I was the one taking the show. I know,
1: usually you're the one that's off being a famous movie star or <laughs> something, and I'm like, oh, woe is me, the lowly producer. I will <laughs> no, do no, what I can without you. You
0: got a very important role. I do want to throw a shout out there, though, to uh, Brad Kostriva. Bad Brad Kostriva. Brad, Brad, you got a new nickname. He uh, did a great job filling in. Um, and uh, yeah, we had a good time, you know, talking a lot of different soccer. You know, again, at the Highbury, we also talked. Uh, we had Andy Davian from the Milwaukee yeah, Torrent, who to we haven't had again. in a while. Yep. Uh, my brother Josh finally came on to talk about the 20th anniversary of the Wisconsin's Wisconsin men's soccer team that won the NCAA championship in 1995, <laughs> beating Duke 2-0 that year, wow, shutting so. out every single team that they played in the tournament. And my brother shared with me a fact that I didn't realize they had seventeen shutouts that season.
1: Wow, That's, is that an NCAA record? I don't
0: know if it is. I'd have to go back. Seventeen. And look. Well,
1: how many regular season games do they play? Isn't that like eighteen or twenty or something like uh, that? No,
0: it's 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 more like twenty four, twenty five. Okay. Well, even still, still having impressive. seventeen
1: shutouts though is huge. Yes. Yep. My goodness. All right. Well, we are excited to get another edition of Two Up Front Rolling for you today. A quick reminder for you, though, you can get us right here on Sports Radio America from three to six p.m. Eastern on Fridays can also get us on demand anytime you want to on Spreaker.com, on iHeartRadio, and on iTunes as well. And you we can also find us on uh, social media as well, Simon. We are all over the place, aren't we? We
0: are on Facebook. We are 2UpFront. On Twitter, we are at 2 up front soccer. Same thing on Instagram, at 2 up front soccer. Though we'll admit we don't use Instagram too much. We need but to get uh, a better habit of we that. Do. We need to remember do. what our passwords are. I think, that's, what that's, that's what it is. <laughs> hey, I just figured out... Uh, you know, I had to reset our password for our email account, which, by the way, we've never talked about That's that. True. If you do want to email us, you can do that to upfrontsoccer at com. Let
1: us know your thoughts, get a hold of the show, voice your opinion, and let everybody know just what you think about either us or the soccer things in the world also. Well, Simon, it is an interesting time in the soccer world Depending on how you view it, uh, it is the end of an era.
0: It it's, is the end of an era, yes. An era
1: that has spanned since uh, the 2001. 14 years, 185, 184 goals, 200 and, oh gosh, 20, 221 games,
0: something like that. Something like that, yes. Uh, but lots at, of caps. Lots of caps,
1: caps. lots of goals. Uh,
0: 252.
1: There we go. I knew knew there was two twos in there. Fifth
0: all-time in U.S. history.
1: Yes. We are speaking, of course, about the U.S. women's national team legend, Abby Wambach. She has officially announced her retirement from international and professional soccer as a whole at the end of the 2015 season.
0: That is right. It's crazy to think, Baxter, that she's fifth all-time in U.S. history with caps. She has two hundred and fifty-two. That means there's four players that have more caps. That just blows my mind, honestly. That there are
1: more people ahead of her. I mean, you play two hundred and fifty-two games. Like, I I understand that people like Mia Hamm and Shannon Box and a lot of those other ladies have played a lot of games. Even Julie Foudy as well, and Christine Rampone. And but two hundred and fifty-two games is nothing to laugh home about. No, not at all. A fantastic accomplishment in any sport if you can play two hundred and fifty.
0: And, uh, you know, at least the women have the Olympics as well. But um, in case you want to check it out, Abby will be playing December 16th against China in New Orleans to finish up the U.S. women's national team victory tour, Uh, but also, of course, now finishing up her career. So, uh, Jill Ellis. Had this to say, Abby is a player who has transcended our sport, and her legacy as one of the world's greatest players is set forever. What she has done for women's soccer and women's sports overall, I think that's the important part there, overall for women's sports, with her amazing talents on the field and her personality off of it, has been inspiring to watch. I'm just extremely happy that she could end her career with that elusive World Cup title and go out on top right where she deserves to be.
1: Absolutely, and I think another interesting point about this, too, is not only with her storied career, in terms of what she did in college, in terms of she scored a total of 349 goals total in her entire career between the international level her college days she scored 96 goals while she was in college for the university of florida which is ridiculous and then she scored a bunch of goals as well by playing domestically for the washington freedom magic jack and the western new york flash also in the nwsl Uh, she's not a stranger of scoring goals it was a little weird though during the world cup seeing her score without her head that's saw true. Her score, yes. Uh, with yes. her foot, and I'm like that. That's. I got, think that she even had, had
0: acknowledged that that was an odd thing for her to do.
1: Yes, <laughs> I think everybody in America was like, "Wait a minute!" Like, uh that's." I don't think that was the real Abby Wambach. It was like a, a doppelganger or something that ran out on the field.
0: You know, I'm surprised Baxter. I didn't realize this honestly until I read this today that she is only the second American to win Women FIFA Women Player of the Year with with the early success of the U.S. program. Yep. You know, the World Cups that they did win. Uh, the gold medals that they won. Only Mia Hamm is the only other American woman to have won. Woman to have won the award. I, I thought for sure Michelle Akers would have won at some point. Um... Not Carly Lloyd, but but of those 99ers, I would have expected a few more. You would have
1: thought so, yeah, and I feel like Carly Lloyd will be a little bit more in that conversation now. Maybe either this year or next year, depending on how the rest of the year goes for her. And that brings up an interesting point you mentioned about Michelle Akers as well. Right now on ESPN.com, under their ESPNW section, uh, their Sports Nation poll question right now is, who's the best player in the history of U.S. women's soccer? Abby Wombach, Mia Hamm, Michelle Akers, or three per, or, or other. And right now, forty-eight um, percent of all the voters, over seventeen hundred voters, have said that Mia Hamm is still the best. And I
0: would I all. would agree with that. I think overall, Mia was Mia was a more well-rounded she player, was,
1: and she was more of a catalyst for the sport. Right. I mean, too. she
0: you know she was the she was the Claudia Reyna as well. I mean, she she controlled that team. She was the heart of the team. Uh, that was such a fantastic team. It's it's actually still a little weird for me to hear about Abby Wambach retiring. When I grew up watching the Niners, yeah, yep. I, I grew up watching Mia Hamm and uh, Brianna Scurry and Gold, oh, Michelle sure. Akers. You know, yep. watching all those players. So it's still a little odd for me, uh, in a good way, to uh, to see the celebration that Abby Wambach is having. Uh, of her career.
1: It is. Yeah, and I mean you look at it too, she's got a World Cup trophy in her t- in her case. She's got two gold medals. She's just had a storied career that I think almost anybody that's ever played the game of soccer, men or women, would just be jealous of.
0: Yeah, and you know she uh the only reason she didn't play in the 2008 Olympics cuz she broke her leg. Yeah. So could have a- added to that legacy. But my goodness, what a legacy to have as you were saying, two gold medals, World Cup winner. Um, FIFA Player of the Year, FIFA Award. Player of the Year, right? Which, by the way, was 2012.
1: So that was very recent. Yes, that was very very recent. Only two years ago, after their uh, their gold medal. Victory.
0: I think w- I think one of the one of the few knocks that you could have on her, if if you knew the history at all, with which you may have with Magic Jack being down yep. there in Florida. Uh, the owner basically treated those players like garbage, except for her. And she kept coming out and defending him and defending him. And a lot of her teammates got very upset with her.
1: Yes, I know that was a bit of a controversy for a while with everything going on with Magic Jack. And when I heard that the team was folding, that the league was folding, I'm like, oh, okay, great. Now what? And I was kind of starting to figure out who the women's national team was at that sure. point uh-huh. and start to really have a big... Longing towards you know following women's soccer, but then all of that came out, and I kind of had a, a bad taste in my mouth for a while with Abby Wambach. I'm like, this is, she just seems like a troublemaker. and Sure, just wants the spotlight on, and her. of course
0: you get mixed in there with all of just the WPS garbage that was going that was on. Such a bad, league. you know that MLS, and a lot of people don't realize this, uh, but MLS reached out to WPS and said, hey, let us help you. We've got we've we're starting to get this figured out, so let us help you. Yeah, and WPS said, nope. We're going to do this all on our own. We don't need your help. Well, that's where the new league uh, has been very smart. Of course, U.S. soccer, Mexico, and Canada are all helping to back that league. But for the fact that... MLS once again reached out to the league and they said, yeah, please help us. And yeah. now you've got, you've got teams in there owned by MLS teams Which as well. Which is fantastic. It's great. Know, now, it's they great just to see added
1: a, a ninth MLS team as well. The NWSL um, added the Orlando Pride right. as well. So that is the first, uh, well, the, the, the newest expansion. Of course,
0: team. I'm brokenhearted to see Alex Morgan move from the Portland Thorns down to Orlando. Yes, but, as uh, well. but I understand that move as well. I don't, they will say the team's traded, but we all know that was... No, a bit of a league mandate PR you know, PR something. and you figure Portland averages a 11,000 fans a game you know so they yeah. they're doing just fine and and this is not me being biased i promise but we know how portland supports its teams yep exactly so they don't they don't need a player to sell tickets they, they, still they just have, love the team
1: yeah and they still have plenty of players to sure. go and watch as well but if you want to start a brand new franchise in a soccer city like orlando why not bring one of the faces of us women's yeah and there?
0: arguably the most famous face at this it point it is
1: yeah absolutely so um Finishing up though with Abby Wambach, just a, a storied career. Congratulations to her and everything that she accomplished. I know that her name will go down um, forever in U.S. women's soccer history. Uh, I do want to ask you this though, Simon. I'm wondering if you think that Abby will somehow manage to assume a, a managerial—pardon <coughs> me—a managerial or a coaching role within the national team it's as a, a whole. Great
0: question. I think so. You know, you listen to the way she talks. You you, you listen to her talk about tactics. You listen to her talk about coaches. Mm-hmm. I think that she's got the first of all the the, uh, a type of demeanor in which uh, people are going to look up to and respect. You know, she has that managerial demeanor about her. Somebody,
1: I would respect her
0: absolutely. Then, yeah, you look at what she has done. But again, just going back to the conversations she's had, you know, when she breaks down a game and during an interview, she breaks down a game. She doesn't. She she doesn't use all the cliches like I do. You know, she actually speaks from an intelligent place. So I think very much so. Yeah, I think very much so we'll see her involved in U.S. soccer. Yeah,
1: no, I completely agree with you on that one. It's one of those things where you just want her to be involved and you don't want her to just step away from the game. I'm sure she'll take a little bit of time away.
0: As well as she should, right? She should.
1: She's earned it. She's had a fantastic storied career, and it's only fair that she get a little bit of time to step away.
0: Wouldn't it be something? Now, granted, I'd I'd love the fact if she got really involved with the women's program. Yeah. But wouldn't it be something if U.S. soccer made a statement? Not for the fact of making a statement, but because of her intelligence of the game mm-hmm. actually brought her into the men's side.
1: Ah, you think that somebody that might actually help out, oh, I don't know, the uh, U-17s?
0: U-17s, speaking of which. Whoa, what a goodness. transition. That was that was fantastic. Thank you. That was really That's nice. That's pay me to do. Yeah, Baxter, we've, we've talked about this before, but uh, U.S., U-17s, it used to be out of all the age groups, yes. it used to be almost a guarantee that the U.S. would get to the second round of the U-17 World Cup. Oh, of course. Then we see them not qualify a couple cycles ago. And now we see them this year just lay a massive egg. And who are we looking at at the helm? Richie Williams.
1: Mm. Might be that time for the act, Simon.
0: Well, it's so frustrating to see another coach... Go out there. The U.S. is, for example, against Croatia. They go out there, and, and they're handling Croatia well. Yes, Croatia is getting more shots on goal, but the U.S. is playing quite well. They go up 2 nothing in the first half. Sure. This is two games ago. Then they come out in the second half and play bunker ball for 45 minutes. It's not a way to win a game. It is not a way to win. Show them that you're, show them that you're not scared, because the minute you start playing bunker ball, again, like I would say the U.S. did against Germany, you're showing the other team that I'm scared of you. Yeah, so they're going to take advantage of that. But then they go and play Chile, who was arguably actually the weakest team in the group, and they end up getting thrashed four to one. Well, today in the second round, Mexico is the team that happened to play Chile. They beat Chile four to one.
1: Oh, what what are the odds of that?
0: And I was watching most of that game. I'd say for about thirty minutes, it looked like Chile was was the best team on the field. But for the last hour, Mexico just took it to them to the point that by the other game, you see their uh, their right back go up and score a goal at the end of the game for Mexico. That's, that's how much Mexico ended up dominating that game.
1: That's just ridiculous. I mean, if the fact that the, the youth program and people that follow youth soccer and follow American soccer, they're always like, we need a better youth system. We need a better youth system. We're, you know, we're falling so far behind. Well, maybe because not a lot of thought is put into the youth system. I mean, you don't go out into a major tournament like this and kind of get embarrassed because, let's be honest, it hasn't been a good year for all men's soccer. At the senior level, the U23s, the U17s, I feel like the, the word embarrassment kind of just circles around because nobody has really stepped up to perform the way that we all know that they are capable
0: of doing. Oh, I'm right there with you. And I think it's times, and this would be a good segue into our 50-50 here pretty soon, U.S. soccer is actually trying to do too much Yes, we need a better youth development, but when you have a federation like U.S. soccer that's not following with the rest of the world, and this recently came out, and there was, you know, U.S. youth uh, soccer was involved in this meeting with U.S. soccer, and a bunch of other youth organizations were, uh, soccer organizations were involved in this conversation, but we we end up finding out that uh, we don't operate like the rest of the world when it comes to money, in that if soccer. a youth club develops like a Messi, and, yeah. and he goes out and he gets sold, the youth club actually gets some of that transfer money because they're the ones who developed him. Well, that would make sense. It does, but we don't have that system in the U.S.
1: Well, because we don't have a Messi, and we'll never have a Messi according to American standards. Right, right. But And
0: here's the problem with that is, and I belong to a club that does this. I don't know anybody who doesn't belong to a club that has to do a pay-for-play system. What? I mean, you know, I mean... You, in order to in order to pay your coaches in yeah. order you know to take their time to develop kids they need to be paid somehow uh, obviously right? yeah. so but you, you see in europe there aren't these pay for play systems people just play and that's because these clubs are funded by the amount of money that they get mm-hmm. from the transfer fees from the players that they have developed so if you want to take a first step US soccer needs to start following what fifa has basically mandated and that We need to give these clubs the money, and then you know what U.S. soccer can do is mandate that that money has to be used for registration.
1: So it doesn't make sense to me because the United States is such a world power and so dominant in almost every facet of everything, honestly. But when it comes to following mandated rules, is it because of all the scandals that are going on with FIFA that why the US is kinda of saying, look, we don't want to be associated with what you're doing? We have we're America. We just are we trying to just well, be too no, proud and it, puff it, our chests up? It
0: predates it predates the corruption in FIFA. The corruption that we know of sure. in FIFA. It it predates that. It's just a practice that US soccer has has never put in place.
1: Well, if they continue to complain, well, why have we never won a World Cup? Why would we not look at what the Germans are doing with the Italians, right. with the Spanish, right. and say, look, they obviously haven't figured out. They've been successful for how many years? Right, it and, and kill it's, us because, to do that.
0: it's because, you know, we keep talking about we got to get to these inner-city youths, which we absolu- absolutely do, but unfortunately, people can't, you know, spend five hours, mm-hmm. some some of them 10 or 20 hours of their free time not getting compensated for that. Because they got families as well. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, you can't expect to just have. You can only have so many
1: volunteers, but when it comes to actually having club coaches, you need to pay those guys because they've gone through classes, they've gone through right. multiple hours of training. They've deserved to at least make a little bit of compensation for what they're doing to help make your kids possibly, you know, U.S. national team stars. One Absolutely,
0: day. and it you know it frustrates me that so much of our club soccer has to be pay for play, and that's the thing. It doesn't have to be. Now, I was I was looking at some blogs on this topic, and I have to say, there's. I can be a pretty cynical person, but, but there are extremely cynical people out there saying, well, you know what, what's the point of doing this? Because all these clubs will do is just take the money and still charge you know, Johnny Rebel out there to have to play, to, you know, charge mm-hmm. him to have to play with the club. Yes. I get that, but that's why U.S. soccer then has to put that mandate in there of, hey, we're going to follow this. But for every dollar that you get from these transfer fees or whatever it be, development fees, that has to go back into scholarships.
1: Exactly.
0: And that's the only way you're going to get more kids involved with this game.
1: Yep, no, I completely agree with you on that one. But I feel like we've kind of come to this impasse, Simon, that we need to hash it out in a little bit more official form, which I think is a good way for us to jump into our 50-50 segment that we've got here on 2 Up Front.
0: Yeah, it's ironic because Baxter, I had just said, you know, let's look at what the rest of the world is doing. But I don't always agree with what the, the rest of the world is doing. I do think there is some uniqueness in America that... Uh, We don't want to get rid of, and that's what leads us to today's 50-50.
1: Absolutely. Well, why don't you lay it out for us so the good people understand what exactly we're going to be 50-50-ing about.
0: Right, so U.S. Soccer actually a couple of years ago had talked about having year-round academies, which means that kids in high school would no longer be playing high school soccer. Uh, They would have to play with their academy team all year long. Well, also at that meeting that I had alluded to before, they did a lot of pushing for that and basically saying, look, you got to choose either high school soccer or academy soccer. So we're here to talk about in our 50-50 whether we agree that uh, getting kids out of high school soccer and playing academy soccer all year long is a positive thing or better for the development or um, if it's a bad thing that Mm -hmm. they should play high school and and not have to play academy all year long. Fair enough. Who who wants to go first today? I I can go first. Why not? What's the
1: worst that could happen?
0: (laughs) I have no nothing, idea. nothing, no, absolutely. nothing bad at all. all right.
1: Well, so, For those of you that don't know, we each get 45 seconds to defend our point, making for a total of 90 seconds, 45-45 equals 90, which is a soccer match, one of the fun things that we do here. So uh, we each get 45 seconds to defend ourselves. One takes a positive, one takes a negative, and we kind of go from there. So I'm ready when you are, Simon.
0: All right, here we go. Tweet.
1: All right, well, I believe that uh, in the United States, the fact that the player pool is so, so big that if you do not play – club soccer you have almost no chance absolutely no chance of being able to get discovered to even think about playing professionally and even at this point a lot of college coaches now are scouting club soccer players they're not caring about how many goals you're scoring in high school they're not caring about how good your team may have done last year they care about the player's production at the club level being, it's all about the name, all about the coach that you train under for five, six years. And if you can play all year round, that looks even better for them. High school, it's important. But for club right now, if you want to be anywhere relevant in the United States soccer system, you have to play club all year. Otherwise, it doesn't matter.
0: Time's up. All right. All right, Baxter. Yeah, well, uh, I think I'll just jump right into mine. Sounds and... good. Ready right. and go. I think what I get upset with is there's this new argument out there that high school soccer isn't as good as club soccer. Now look, uh, part of this is personal. I've got an older brother who coaches high school soccer. He took one program that went from never making the state championship or never making state to being a game away. Uh, He then left that program, moved on to another one recently who also took it to one game away from state. Uh, On top of that he's got players that have now been picked up by the U18 Fire Academy who are training with the Fire Academy. Look, high school soccer, is it uniquely American for the most part, yes, but you've got players, you've got professional players coaching at high school level. I think doing academy all year long is doing a disservice to these kids where they're not getting a variety of coaching, and that's huge in development.
1: Absolutely, time is up. All right, well, you heard our arguments. Let us know your thoughts. Get us on Twitter at two upfront soccer, at Simon Provan, at Baxter at Colburn. We're gonna step aside a lot more to come before we jump into it. Plus, you know what? A
0: lot of high school soccer is free.
1: Oh, that's right. I heard free is one of the best things that you can do for your kids mm-hmm. is put them in a free program that still helps them develop that's as right, a whole. That's
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh.
1: I heard a thought. <laughs> that's, that's, we're, we're miles away from that, Simon. Miles <laughs> away. We'll be right back. This is Two Up Front. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is
0: Simon Provan. All
1: right, Simon. Time to fly across the pond, as we always do here on Two Up Front, taking a look at the Carlington Cup action. Carling? Carling? Carling Cup? Carling. Carling Cup. Not Carlington. Carling.
0: The League. Let's just call it the League Cup. How about They've that? They've got so many damn cups, honestly.
1: <laughs> I love England, but figure it out, guys. Seriously. You don't but, need 43 cups.
0: But they don't like the playoffs, right? No, no. Oh.
1: Which I think would be awesome if they did the playoff well,
0: system. You know, I mean, just saying, all their cups are tournaments or, or playoffs, basically, right? Exactly. Anyways, anyways, yeah, some uh, who Chelsea, we didn't, we didn't think he really was on the hot seat a couple uh, episodes ago. Well, oh, you know what? I'm telling you, he is now. Oh, absolutely. He How do you now.
1: They go out and they draw 1-1 with Stoke City, and then they go to PKs and they lose 5-4 in penalty kicks. They
0: have, you know, under Mourinho, they've gone to PKs five times, and they've lost every single time. Oh, I just saw that.
1: Fun fact. The more you know, the more you know.
0: And they're still at, what, 15th in the league? Is that where they're sitting?
1: Uh they're not in the top ten. They're not the top ten to my knowledge. They're not even
0: No, no, they're not even close to that. Yeah. So so
1: all they really need to do is win like one league game when they're semi back in contention. Semi.
0: But we're talking about Chelsea here. I know, That's the, think you know we you should be we should be talking about them fighting for a spot up top, not a spot to get in the Chelsea top. Chelsea is
1: fifteenth of the three, two, and five record, eleven eleven points, points overall.
0: And then they go and they lay a total egg in the League Cup. Now, I understand that some of these cups really don't mean as much. We saw that with Arsenal and Wenger coming out and saying they lost, as you called. Uh, Arsenal lost 3-0 to Sheffield Wednesday, and, and Wenger came out and said, eh, I'm not really concerned about the loss. I'm concerned about my injuries before I'm concerned about the League Cup.
1: Which I understand, right. but even but still. If
0: you're a team that's supposedly, not supposedly, you are you are a powerhouse usually in the Premier League, and you're suffering in league, you use these cups to get the ship back into place, you know, to right the ship.
1: Exactly. And the
0: Chelsea can't even do that right, right well, now.
1: Well, I mean, look at it. Arsenal sits in second place overall in the Premier League table. They've got seven victories, one draw, two losses, 22 total points. They're technically tied for first mm-hmm, place, but mm-hmm. goal difference and all that other craziness. I'm not going to lie, looking at this top five on the EPL table, look at it, Man City, Arsenal, West Ham, Man United, and Leicester. What?
0: You know, every, but every year. I, I mean, know, Every year know, we see I one know. or two teams creep in there. At the same time, Leicester, I mean.
1: They actually look good. They do. Same and, with West Ham, which is weird. Yes,
0: and the crazy thing about Leicester is, and I mentioned this on the uh, special edition show for those who listened, before Christmas it looked like Leicester was definitely going to drop down to the championship. Yep. And then they really turned things around. They fire their manager. You're thinking, oh, boy, here they go making those silly mistakes. But now they're in fifth. Place right now in the Premier League.
1: They seem to have their act figured out, honestly, and I think that if you are a Leicester supporter, you're very, very happy with that. So, looking at the other action in League Cup, Everton. Way to go, Simon. Way to go, boys. Well,
0: Everton did win, but they also had their backup keeper in there. Um, Mm. You know, the loss that Everton had to Arsenal, Tim Howard, really was culpable on on those two goals. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I hate to say it, but fans are starting to say, hey, Take Howard Take, out.
1: Yeah, it might be that kind of time. Yep. And it's funny, as we just talked about with Leicester doing so well, they actually lost. They lost to Hull City 5-4 on PKs after drawing 1-1. Uh, and then you look at the action that actually took place uh, here on Wednesday when we were recording this show. Liverpool, they finally get a victory, 1-0 over Bournemouth.
0: That was today. That was today. That was today, yes. yes. Hate, uh, I hate to correct you on air, but, you know. That's
1: what I said. I said today. I said oh, that's I th- when we're doing oh yes, yes, today. yes. Yes, I'm sorry. You're fine. Totally fine. <laughs> Anyway, anyways, take it uh, take it away back, Oh, thank sir. you, thank you, thank you. Manchester. I, I thought
0: you said last Wednesday. No, no, no. i said okay, today. Okay, that, that okay. Yes, place today. Yes, gotcha. It's all good.
1: Anyway, <laughs> Manchester City dropped five goals on Crystal Palace, so they continue to roll, going to five to one with that victory. Southampton upsetting Aston Villa two to one. You were a little fiery about that one when we brought it up off air, weren't you, Simon?
0: About uh, Villa. Villa. Yeah. Well, all you just, just
1: kept saying is Villa, Villa,
0: Villa. Well, Villa. Yeah, they just you know horrible in league. Yeah. I mean, they're are they bottom in league? Is that is that uh, I believe uh, they are Aston Villa. Yeah. They
1: are twentieth with a yeah. one one yeah. And eight record. Yeah.
0: So uh, there's been speaking of Villa, you know, there's been this is what I was talking about is the Sherwood was finally let go. Yeah. Ironically, sure he was let go a day after he said, "No, I think my job's completely secure." It's
1: awkward. Of course, he did
0: himself a disservice by saying. There's no way we're going to be in the bottom three next year. We will be. We will stay up top in the Premier League.
1: And realistically, they look like a decent club. But then,
0: yeah, well, yeah, crash and burn, hardcore. Yeah. Uh, so Bob Bradley's been linked to Ashtonville. Sure this sure is the he second has. time he's been sure linked. He but Bob Bradley already came out and said, no, nobody's contacted he's me. Let it go. Enough, he's not, he's posh not posh enough. Baxter's greatest argument ever exactly. in a 50-50. I was like, he
1: is not posh enough. And for ever since, I feel like I need a shirt made. like <laughs> Not posh enough for the Premier League with Bob Bradley's face on it. Uh, And then you also had the final game taking place uh, today in league action as Manchester United go to 0-0 draw with Middlesbrough. And you're like, okay, well, maybe United's having an off day. No big deal. They go to extra time. They still can't score a goal. Then they go to penalty kicks. And lo and behold, Middlesbrough wins 3-1 on penalty kicks. So you
0: have the quarterfinals. You have three teams from the championship. This is just a sad quarterfinals. I'm not sad. Everton's in, so I'm happy with that. Well, I mean,
1: from an <laughs> overall perspective, Manchester City has got Hall City the next game, everton Middlesbrough, Stoke City-Sheffield Wednesday, and Southampton-Liverpool. Well,
0: the, the Hampton-Liverpool game will be fun because they just uh, tied over the weekend 1-1 on yep. Sunday. Um, I'm interested in this everton Middlesbrough game. I'm, I'm actually, as an Everton fan, I'm nervous about that. But that's mm-hmm. also my go-to... State of being. So you're always nervous as an Everton
1: fan. I feel like I haven't never heard you be confident about an Everton game. Like we will win. You're like, well, yeah. I think maybe once once
0: last season. Well, Everton,
1: Everton, Sunderland this coming weekend. How do you feel about that?
0: That one, I feel Everton Everton should take. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't trying to call Everton something else. No, no, no. Of course not. (laughs) No, I mean it's it's Sunderland. Now, granted, they destroyed Newcastle, but then you look at that and say. Okay, well, it's Newcastle. Yeah, you know. s- you're supposed to destroy Newcastle. Uh, Yedlin, Yedlin, I was very happy to see, played quite well. Mm-hmm. Made some runs up front from the back. Um, and if anything, that Yedlin would be the player I'd be scared of most if I'm Everton right Fair now. Fair enough.
1: No, that makes total sense, honestly, with how they've been playing. Uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, you look at the League, Cuc- the League Cup. Neither of us can. We're just
0: learning we're our words yeah, tonight.
1: Not good at English today. Can't.
0: Uh, Stoke City and Sheffield Wednesday. I think that's the one game we didn't mention, that, uh, that that makes up the quarterfinals. Yes.
1: Yep, that'll think it'll be an interesting grouping of uh, these four quarterfinal games.
0: But uh, aside from
1: that, so um, I know we briefly touched on it, but let's let's dive into a little bit more. Is Jose Mourinho really on the hot seat now, Simon?
0: I I do think so. I mean, you've got... I mean, Abramovich hasn't come out and said anything, but you're Chelsea, you're still sitting 15th in the league. It's 10 games in. Uh, look, that's... That's a third of the season, basically. Enough is enough. And then you go in the League Cup, you, you drop an egg there. Yeah. I mean, at what point, then, do you start saying, especially with how quick you're, how quick these teams fire managers? At the same time, what I can see is that I, I don't think Mourinho would go to a place like Aston Villa. Uh, but we did hear recently that his agents have been talking to Inter Milan as well as another club. I, it's It's not there right now. Um, but so his agents are in contact with other clubs, and they keep saying it's in the context of what he's going to do after Chelsea. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to think that he's sensing the after Chelsea is going to come sooner than the end of his contract. And how
1: long do you? And how long before before he finds a new home?
0: He'll be snatched up in a second.
1: Oh yeah, well, but does he stay in the Premier League?
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. Villa right now is the only club. Bring him to MLS. <laughs> Why not? Sure. Well, he did say one day he'd like to come over and coach well, an MLS. now is
1: no better time than the president. Yeah. I, just, Do I, it I, now. I him think up, it would be awesome. Him, have, him, have him coach the Orlando Pride.
0: There you go. So the NWSL. Yeah. Send him over there. there and you Just go.
1: completely throw a, just. I – I don't even know what would happen.
0: <laughs> that would be so, hey, he can't, so funny. He can't handle working with a female medical doctor. Huh? Yeah. I can't expect him to work. Uh, and this is – that yeah. is not – a slant on women, by the way. That's a slant on Jose Mourinho, mm-hmm. or Jose Mourinho, just to, just to clarify that. Of course.
1: No, I, I totally understand you on that one. Um, one other thing we wanted to make mention of, you mentioned the possible rumors of Bob Bradley going to Aston Villa, but there's another man that is also looking for a job right now that recently uh, had to start standing in line at the unemployment office. That was Brendan Rodgers as well. Uh, do, you, do you think that Brendan Rodgers would be a suitable filler for Aston Villa?
0: I think he would be in that, you know, he took Swansea from being a championship club and brought him all the way up to the Premier League, which uh, which helped them. And then he did a wonderful job keeping them up there, and then Liverpool snatched him up. Uh, so I think for him to go to a club that's going to have less expectations, be a breath of fresh air for him, at the same time, he got beat up pretty bad there by the Liverpool fans. Uh, they never really trusted him at all, no. really. Uh, so I... As much as I, I could see Villa reaching out to him, and I wouldn't be surprised if they haven't already... Realistically, I don't think we'll see Rodgers the rest of the season.
1: Likely not. No, I think he'll wait until whatever that is, Black Monday or whatever they call it right. in, in the Premier League, and he'll be probably one of the first names that'll be back up on on the team sheet to possibly do something. Uh, it's it's very rare that you see a guy get fired from one team and signed by
0: another team in the
1: same league within a short amount of time. To my knowledge, it hasn't happened in a long time.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it either. Uh, another coach, though, that another manager that's been... Up there is David Moyes Ooh, as well. Ooh, David Moyes, uh, former you know, Man United manager. Right. A lot of people thought that the game had passed him by, which I think is unfair to base that off of one season with Manchester United. He was at Everton for 10 years. And if that club is strapped financially now, boy, it was really strapped then. No kidding. And and he got that team to a Europa League spot. He got that team to uh, be a formidable club. Yeah, absolutely. I
1: mean, you can't talk about Everton and not say that David Moyes never did anything for him because he helped them establish the fact that they are trying to become a relevant, maybe top six team in, in
0: the Premier League. Right. Um, so I, I think, you know, you look, at these, you look at these managers who, okay, maybe they haven't done well with the big clubs, but what did they do when they were with those smaller clubs? That's really, to me, what you have to look at. And both of those guys will be right up there. And I, I think Moyes would love to come back to the Premier League on top of it.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree with you on that one. Now, you think uh, is there anybody else that you think might be a possibility for taking I, over?
0: I think, you know, the odds don't have him as the guy, but I certainly think Nigel Pearson. Oh, sure. You know, he was, he, he, again did a wonderful job with Leicester. Yep. Turned them around. And he got a little snidey with the media. But that was the man what who are you was, do? Right. And that was the man who was responsible for turning them around at Christmas and then brought them and you know made them into a stronger club again. Yep. Like Brendan Rodgers did with Swansea, like David Moyes did with Everton. Uh, but he's also he's had some time off now because he was let go of during the off season. Yeah.
1: So he's had a little bit more time to maybe right. refine his tactic.
0: Wilson Pearson as the uh, next manager of Aston Villa. All right. Well, we're
1: going to jump to a break. We'll be right back. There'll be more two up front to come. Do not miss it. Welcome back to another edition of Two Upfront, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn.
0: And this is Simon Provan. A
1: reminder for all of you that you can get us right here on Sports Radio America on Fridays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And also on demand anytime you want on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com as well. At Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan, and at Two Upfront Soccer as well. Tweet at us, let us know your thoughts about the wonderful world of soccer Give us your predictions for the MLS playoffs, which we'll be talking about a little bit later on. And just if you ever have any soccer questions or just want to talk about the beautiful game from an American perspective, you can get a hold of us that way. Also, uh, some new information coming out, Simon, about the USL. Not only do we have a new champion, but we also have a new team as well. We
0: do. So the Rochester Rhinos have their first championship in the USL. They were one of the powerhouse clubs, again, back when I was in. College and even a little bit before that, uh, back before MLS, the Rochester Rhinos were a storied franchise. Everybody actually expected them to be in Major League Soccer because as a minor league club in the, uh, in the old A-League, they were actually averaging twelve to 13,000 fans a game. Holy cow. And uh, they ended up building their own soccer-specific stadium. The problem was they had built it in a neighborhood that was, let's just say, not the most kind. Ah. And their attendance plummeted. So all the talk about when MLS was coming out, all the talk about them being basically the Green Bay Packers of yep. Major League Soccer just went out the window. Ugh. Um But their their attendance has gone up a little bit. We're back up in the 8,000s, but we're the club is really hoping that this championship obviously starts bringing those fans back. It really is a cool stadium. I've, I haven't been there myself, but I've seen plenty of pictures. Mm-hmm. Looks like a cool place to go to. Uh, but they ended up beating the LA Galaxy Dos 2-1 to one in the uh, USL championship game. Ariel Lasseter had a second-half goal. Um, Lassiter is, I believe, the son or nephew of Roy Lassiter of okay. the old Tampa the Bay. Mut- yep, yeah, yeah. Um, So congratulations to the Rochester Rhinos USL champions for 2015. By the way, this is their 20th season as a club. What a way to celebrate by it. Absolutely, by a way to bring it all looks. home.
1: And that's a really that's a true cup. You look at that trophy, that is a great looking. I it mean, is. it looks similar to MLS Cup, but it's still... A good-looking trophy. So, congratulations to the Rochester Rhinos, who, by the way, are a feeder team for the New England Revolution. They are,
0: although Fun they're they're shows. they're becoming one of the fewer and fewer USL clubs that is not owned by an MLS team.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just we're kind of moving to that that point now, yeah. though. Which is fine. Yep. I have no problem with it. I think it's going to help keep things around longer, hey, especially minor league soccer. We see
0: the German clubs do it all the time. with their. I mean, they've got teams in the Bundesliga yep. 3 and the Regionalia or whatever it is. that uh, I think that's like their fourth division. So, so hey, if the Bundesliga can do it, why can't MLS? Exactly.
1: And you talk about it. Another uh, team now that will be getting, a USL team, that is the Philadelphia Union. They now have uh, an old name, but a good name yes. if you are a huge U.S. soccer Fanatic,
0: and uh, you know, if you love your U.S. soccer history, which I encourage you, if you don't know much about the turn of the century—not the turn of the two thousand, but the nineteen hundreds—just a long sure, time ago, right? uh, Bethlehem Steel, they were the first powerhouse soccer club in this country, um, and that was when soccer which many people don't know about in the U.S., was actually one of the biggest sports. It was. All yeah. the
1: immigrants were coming over. And they were
0: coming over, uh, but even Americans were, were going to these games. Um, that Already clubs were coming over to the U.S. at that point doing tours. I know Celta came over a couple of times. Yep. Um, and then what happened, uh, there was this war between the American Soccer League and some other soccer league, and basically the that happened right around the Great Depression, which caused those leagues to just implode, and pff, there went soccer until... Mm. Uh, Well, we had this little thing that happened in 1950 where the U.S. beat England 1-0 in the World Cup. But really, you know, it wasn't until the mid-90s that things started to pick up steam again. But just talking about the history here, Bethlehem Steel, the first incarnation, they were the league champions 1913 through 1915, the 1919. Basically, they they just won a bunch of league championships. Nine um, total. Nine total. Five runners up in that time. Most importantly, they were the national challenge cup winners five times. That was the predecessor to what is now the U.S. Open Cup. Okay, so I that was basically what morphed the tie was into the it. U.S. Yep, that basically morphed into the U.S. Open Cup. There was also the American Cup, so it's kind of like how England has the FA Cup and the League Cup. That, yep. was, that was also going on how here. How British of us? Yes, yes, very much so. Yes, um, but the, as I said, the big thing was they won the national challenge cup five times. Then uh, Bethlehem Steel was called Bethlehem Steel, by the way going back to the Green Bay Packers because that was the name of the company that sponsored them. Yep. So once again, for all of you who hate the name New York Red Bulls thinking it's just corporate blah, 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 I don't know what the actual name would be for them. I'm going to go with blah, blah, blah. That's fine. That's uh, fine. You know, it's nothing new. Red Bethlehem Bull, Steel. Red Bull Corp. There you go. You know, it was. It's, it's nothing new in this country. So if that really, really bugs you, I, I hate to tell you, but Not just soccer. That's what most sports teams in this country were named after were whoever owned them.
1: And there's nothing wrong with that. We see that. I mean, Pittsburgh Steelers, I know there wasn't an actual. There was probably like the Pittsburgh Steel Company or something of that nature too. But you look at all the different teams across so many different sports venues and you have those ties to sponsorships, to the local communities as a whole, which is fantastic. But looking forward now for the USL, looking at Bethlehem Steel, how much pressure is actually on this franchise going forward? I know it's kind of like a re—it's almost like a reboot of a movie series. It's like, yeah, hey, this, good was, pretty, way to this it. was pretty successful back when we first did it. Now we're taking the same thing, same name, but now we're going to reboot it now, a bunch of years later, and try it again.
0: Right. Well, first of all, let me just say I think it's great that the Philadelphia Union has always honored the history of Bethlehem yes. Steel yep. from the beginning. Their third jersey for the past couple of seasons has been the old black and white. Bethlehem Steel jersey from, yep. from the 1920s. Um, and in case I didn't say it, so the reason we're talking about this is is because the Philadelphia Union now has a USL team. Their development squad is called Bethlehem Steel FC. Ah. Uh, and they've done a really cool job with the logo, I have to say. They they took the old red I-beam of the Bethlehem Steel logo and yep. have the... Uh, Philadelphia Union snake wrap around that. Their colors, unfortunately, their colors are also the same of the same colors of the uh, Atlanta United FC Barcelona, <laughs> uh, Inter City, whatever they're calling themselves down there. <laughs> um, but uh, r- really cool job. So your question: How much pressure does this put on them? I don't. I don't think it puts any more pressure on them than it does uh, Galaxy Dos or Timbers Two or. Sounders too, or I
1: think that it's totally different though. With the name, it's one thing to say L.A. Galaxy dose. It's like, oh, it's just the second tier of the galaxy. This is a, this is a franchise that was incredibly successful. That basically paved the road for U.S. soccer as a whole.
0: Did you know about them until I informed you about? them? I did. I knew it's, of the okay. name. Yes, okay. I knew
1: of the name. I had heard. I had never heard the official name. Going back and forth with Philadelphia, I knew that they were getting a USL team. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. I put two and two together once you mentioned it off air. But this is a team that I feel like really has a lot of pressure building up onto it because it's not branded as a Portland Timbers 2, Vancouver Whitecaps 2, TFC 2. It's none of those. It is a whole other name entity that is representing years and years of U.S. soccer history. And I feel like if this team doesn't come out and produce right away, that there might be some downfall with the organization. I can,
0: I can totally see why you say that. At the same time, I think, I'd like to think that the fans are smart enough to realize that ultimately it's a name that pays homage to a club from the early 1900s, mm-hmm. um, but that it's, it's not Bethlehem Steel, you know? These guys aren't coming out of the grave. Um, Obviously. And, and it is a development squad, and I as, as much as I uh, don't care for how Philadelphia fans cheer for their teams, or lack thereof, um, I think their soccer fans are intelligent enough to realize that, again, it's, it's a development squad. Exactly. Now, I think, let me just say... I love the fact that they have a name that's unique. That it it's is. not is. I'm tired 2. of the dose. Right, right. I'm
1: really tired of that, and I think that that's great for. I mean, even looking at Rochester, the Rochester Rhinos, that's the funnel team for the Revolution, but you don't see, you know, Revolution Two or whatever it is. Then no, but those are not, also two
0: separate, two separate are. entities. They are. Separate, separate,
1: entities. Although they do have partnerships. Right. They go on loan right. and whatever. But even still, it is nice to not have all these dose teams because, oh, I let's agree just be with honest, you. that gets really annoying after a while. It's like. Oh, FC Dallas Dose is playing Orlando City Dose. Well, that's that's annoying. I just have a little bit of diversity and step out of your comfort zone at least a little bit, please. Like, it's it's a little ridiculous on that, honestly, but I also know that there are rumors of possibly already another USL team that's coming up as well, this time coming in uh, Kansas
0: City. Yeah, it was actually just announced a couple of days ago. Um, Swoop Park Rangers. So they're playing in Swoop Park, so that's where the name comes from. Makes sense. And uh, that's going to be their club name is the Rangers. Now, I, I give them also credit that the they got a different name. It's yep. not just Sporting KC2, but it's the Swoop Park Rangers. But what they did do is they're using the same colors. And That's they're uh, using kind of the same font for their for their merchandising, well, which I, I think mean, is if smart gonna, to do. If they're
1: going to play generally the same area, use generally the same fans. It's almost exactly the same logo. They've got a pretty nice logo. Though. Yeah,
0: they do. So it's a harkening to Sporting KC, but yep. they've got the S and then a P and an R in front of it. Actually, to be honest, I like that better than the Sporting KC logo. I do, too, honestly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> looking at it, comparing the two, I think Sporting KC's is a little much, honestly.
0: It's interesting, too, isn't it, that uh, you've got teams out there like Sporting KC with, let's face it, another Euro copy of a name. Yeah. Um, and then they have a USL club that actually has a unique name, the Rangers. Now, of course, there are the Rangers in Scotland. Well, sure. But it's not, it's not just your typical FC, whatever. Um Actually, you got an update for us, speaking of MLS. and clubs do, and whatnot, yes.
1: We're going to be jumping to MLS playoffs in just a moment, but the New England Revolution have gone ahead with a one nothing lead in the 16th minute. Juan Agudelo cashing in on a right-footed shot from the center of the box to the top-right corner. Assisted by Kevin Alston with the cross. So Juan Agudelo uh, in the starting lineup tonight for the first time in a while. So glad to see that he's making the but most of his time Absolutely. as a starter. So good for the revolution.
0: And I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy for you. I actually thought DC was going to win this game.
1: Well, it's still a long
0: time to go. So let's yeah, not, it is. Let's that's not get too ahead <laughs> of ourselves here. I, that's
1: great that you're already congratulating me, but we've got a long way to go. Let's be honest about that. But I think that's a good segue, though, for us to jump into what is happening now in the MLS playoffs. The four knockout round games taking place uh, today, and, well, today here being Wednesday for those of you that are listening, and on Thursday night also. So uh, by the time this show airs on Sports Radio America, it'll be old news, but that's what we go off of here on the that's show. Right. So we do what that's we right. can. So uh, from what you just heard from us, the Revolution are taking on DC United right now. Uh, it's already a rivalry game between the two clubs, so it makes it even bigger now that it is coming to a playoff time. New England, I feel like The fact that they won their last game of the season 3-1 to was a big push for the organization going forward because that kind of helped them assert themselves, saying, look, guys, we're sorry that we had that four-game losing, (laughs) like, not winning streak at all. Finally got their act back together. Yes, I know they beat the New York City FC, but even still, they still scored three goals. They looked good. Charlie Davies got back to his original form, which was great to see. And now they can finally move forward and, I think, use that momentum now, not only to beat D.C., but make another deep run in the playoffs. And
0: let me say, it doesn't matter who you beat on that last day heading into the playoffs. You need a victory when you've been in such a uh, bad place as New yep. England has. So, yeah, I don't care. I don't care if they were playing Bethlehem Steel FC and they won that exactly. game. Exactly. That's, that's a win you need going into the playoffs. And I just want to say, kudos to MLS for decision day. Yeah. that. that You know, yes, they lucked out a little bit, but boy, did that that, live up to its billing. I was sitting there at home on my MLS Live. I had my three games up on the screen, and then I had my phone there as well, watching all four games happen simultaneously, watching Seattle get a goal, going, oh, no, I don't want Seattle to score. But then Portland goes and scores, and uh, then we see who was next in the line. Anyways, it was just like bam, 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 bam. Um, so it was it was really fun to have those games simultaneous and to actually have them uh, be the games that they were. You know, Columbus Crew taking care of DC five My nothing, gosh, just a
1: ridiculous game from them.
0: Uh, Philadelphia taking any hope away from Orlando, winning that game one nothing. Uh, you had picked Toronto, I did, uh, and uh, no, actually I think I picked Toronto. No, nope, it was yeah, yes. I yeah, picked yeah, Toronto. Yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. um, and it looked like they were going to win that game. They were up one zero, then uh, Drogba. Does doing, what he does. Doing but things. 2-1. to one, uh, Red Bulls finished the season. Supporter Shield winners because of goal <coughs> difference. Woo! Beating the Chicago Fire, who's been a bit of the nemesis this season. Yeah, they have. 2-1. Uh, to one, Sporting KC taking care of business. LA comes to visit. Uh, Sporting needed that win. I really. say how big is that win for that organization? Right. Of course, it wouldn't have mattered in the end because San Jose ended up losing to FC Dallas. But for quite a while there, it looked like San Jose... Was going to get the points they needed, uh, but they didn't get the res- rest. of the results. Yep. Seattle Sounders. I have to hand it to you, Seattle. My goodness, Dempsey Martins, they're back, and it's such a and dangerous it's mean, combination. Three to one. Uh, Vancouver taking care of business. They needed that win to get the number two seed, and they did because the Portland Timbers for most of the night looked like they were going to jump from number four to up to number 2 when just a couple of weeks ago they were at number 6. Actually, they were out of the playoff picture they were, there. yeah. So the Portland ends up finishing in the number 3 seed with a 4-1 win over the Rapids. Baxter, if we were to go back and do our power rankings, for the first time, I would have the Portland Timbers in my power rankings.
1: I thought you've had them at least in there once. Maybe before. once? I okay. think so, at least well, once. Well, how there about that? For the streak. first
0: time, I'd have them in there confidently. Ah, there it is. Okay. They end the season on a three-game winning streak, being yep. Rail Salt Lake 1-0. Then they beat the L.A. Galaxy in a 5-2 thrashing at Ooh, the Home baby. Depot Center. What a game. And then they come out and just destroy the Rapids 4-1. I if, if I'm the Timbers, any, any team that's playing the Timbers right now, I'm scared.
1: I would be too. I mean, Sporting Kansas City has to play the Timbers uh, Thursday night in Portland, and in that's Portland. the
0: other big thing about that jumping up to that three seed. Yeah, gave them home. Got Portland, Portland. Yeah, almost got that by. We just just needed to see Vancouver tie, but Vancouver, well deserving. You know, they had a bit of a of a stretch there in the middle of the season where they didn't look very good. But, yeah, we, but, we were
1: talking about that for a while. We we're like, this Vancouver team might not be as good as we thought they were. Right,
0: right. Um, but New York Red Bulls, deservedly so, one of. I would say, the most consistent team throughout the season. Early yes. on, they had a bit of a losing streak, but since then, they've been really consistent, well-deserving of that supporter shield.
1: Absolutely, yeah. You've got to be completely thrilled if you're a Red Bulls fan going forward. Yes, you may have tied in point difference with FC Dallas, but you proved that you are the best team in Major League Soccer as a whole going forward, so that is a fantastic thing for the Red Bulls organization to a club that really looked like they had no clue what was going to happen last year after right. Jesse Marsh, after
0: losing Henry, Tim Cahill. And Ollie Curtin comes out with this 500 page tactical book yep. of how they're going to turn things around. So, like, oh,
1: this will be easy, guys. And sure enough, they made it look pretty easy. They honestly. did. Now, uh, I will ask your opinion about this game uh, that is also taking place later tonight here on Wednesday with the Galaxy and the Sounders. The Galaxy not looking. Really good, honestly. I would not be surprised if Seattle found a way to win this game. Even though that LA's always been that thorn in Seattle's side yeah, in the playoffs,
0: right? Even when they're even when they're playing Seattle in Seattle, you kind of expect Galaxy to win. But no, Baxter, this would I talking about confidence. I'm going to confidently take Seattle on this one, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, Galaxy. they they've for as great as they looked for three quarters of the season. They just—they look like they're on crutches right now. I'm not sure what's going on down there. And one of the arguments
1: I've continuously heard, not only on our program but other and other programs as well, is that—but this is Bruce Arena's time. This is when the galaxy oh, remember oh, sure. how to play soccer. This is when they go on their crazy, ridiculous runs, regardless of how they finish out the season. And Bruce Arena always finds a way with Steven Gerrard, Giovanni dos Santos, Jossi Zardes, da 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 da. yeah, you can yeah, go on right. and on and on about how many great players they have on their team, which is true but it's a whole other game when they can't
0: put it all together. It's interesting. To me, they made the same mistake in CONCACAF Champions League that Portland did last year. Mm-hmm. If Galaxy had gone down to uh, Guatemala and won that game, which they were winning up until the 93rd minute, yeah, if they win that game, they're the number one seed in the quarterfinals. But we see Bruce Arena wants to get a higher seed in the playoffs, so instead he's saying he sends Dave Sacrin down there with... <laughs> His reserve players. Reserves played a great game. They did. Alan, Alan Gordon, Gordon got in there. Uh, but then they give up a goal in the 93rd minute. That cost them the first seed all the way down to the fifth seed in the Ooh, quarterfinals. man. And then we see they come home, and we see the same thing happen here. Drop all the way down to the fifth seed. I always say, you know, I say the Timbers did that last year. It's actually more of an expense. The Timbers could have gone from being the number one seed in the CONCACAF quarterfinals last year. Yep. To uh, to not being in, a, in the in the Champions League at all. Yeah. Well, Porter risked it. Sent reserve players down there. And they lost. They
1: got spanked because and, of that.
0: And they come home and they win, but they needed Vancouver to lose last year, and Vancouver wins. Yep.
1: And it was just an unfortunate series of events for Portland last year. But look at the Galaxy, though, Simon. They've only won once in their last seven games.
0: Yeah. It's and that was that was against a strong FC Dallas team, which is which is a bit mind boggling. But um, you know. They gave up that draw to Seattle, which was a heartbreaker for them. I don't think they've ever recovered from that. They go on and lose to Portland five to two, then of course they lose on the last day two to one to KC. It's not it's not looking pretty for the galaxy, which does make you think, okay, is it Bruce Arena's time? Is this is this where we see him take Maybe advantage Jose of Jose Mourinho this? needs to take in charge. <laughs>
1: There you go. Say, fire Bruce Arena, bring in Jose Mourinho. go from there. (laughs) Baxter,
0: who else do we have on the dock for these? uh... Well,
1: it's a repeat of decision day as Montreal will host Toronto FC, the fourth and the fifth seeds, battling it out in the Eastern Conference. Congratulations to Montreal. Honestly, they just played a great season overall, a great comeback from them. They look like a great team.
0: They did, and then they're on the other end. Toronto, yes, they make the playoffs. But as the sixth seed.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. Three and six, not four and five. I'm sorry. Right, right. Three and six.
0: Right. But Toronto makes it in as the sixth seed. We had talked about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. maybe it was last week, about how it's great if Toronto makes the playoffs, but it's just not going to feel legitimate if they do it as a sixth seed. Yeah. Because this is the first year of six seeds. And so lo and behold, they, they wouldn't have made it. They wouldn't it. have made it. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean you got to make an argument that Toronto might have figured out what to do now since they have Sebastian Giovinco playing at such a high level. He's the, you know, 2015 Golden Boot Award winner. And he wasn't is,
0: there. He wasn't playing in the due to suspension, I believe, in the last last game of the season. I thought he was there. Was he? I might have been wrong, but I thought he was there,
1: honestly. Um so Montreal, they're going to try to win again for the second time in a row against TFC. Uh I have to go with Montreal on this one. I think that the Drogba whatever is just too high right now.
0: Yeah, the the drogba factor is definitely uh, <laughs> high and alive. He scored both goals, didn't he, if I remember right? He did. Yeah, both goals fit back to, I mean, within a minute of each other, if even that. That's what he does. Yeah, and I was wrong, yes. Uh, Giovinco did play in that last game. In fact, he had an assist to uh, Josie Altidore. He actually scored a goal. He played 90
1: minutes? <laughs> Whoa, I thought he was red-carded on the bench.
0: Right, right. So anyways, um, yeah, I've got Toronto on this one too, Baxter. Without a doubt, I got Toronto. I took Montreal. I'm sorry, I meant... That's who I meant. Are you sure? I did. I meant Montreal. Mm -hmm. I did. I did.
1: Okay. Okay. As long as you <laughs> as long as you understand what you did. there. So so
0: far it's Seattle and Montreal. That's who I'm. I'm okay.
1: And I uh, I've got Seattle and Montreal. Also I've okay. got my Revolution winning tonight. Also hopefully Lord willing.
0: I told you that uh, I thought DC would win, so that will have to be my pick.
1: That's fine. No, I respect that. All right, Portland and sporting the last of the knockout round games. The first time MLS has ever had four knockout round games, which I think is a good idea. It ups the ante a little bit. I'm tired sure. of straight out of the straight out of the gate two game series. I,
0: are you a fan though that it was a. 72-hour turnaround from last game of the season to these Oh, uh, I think it rounds. was a bit
1: fast. I think that Montreal—if I was Toronto, I probably was like, we're not going home. Let's just hang out for a few days and just train here in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Galaxy, Seattle, I think all these games, aside from Portland sporting, didn't really bother anybody because they didn't have to go
0: very far. That's very true. LA just That's has true. to shoot
1: up the West Coast. New England shoots up the highway just a few hours. TFC— Pardon me, Montreal are already pretty close, also, but Portland or Sporting having to go all the way to Portland, I think, would have been the biggest one out of all of these. So
0: yeah, I just I don't know if it's. Uh, I heard somebody else make this argument: you play these 34 games during the season, yep. and then all of a sudden you do this quick turnaround. Is that really fair now? that we're talking playoffs, and I don't, I don't know if it is. At the same time, that's the difficulty you run into now with adding two more seeds, you know, It is. Overall. You have to, from a scheduling perspective, right. you've got to do so right. much more on the back end to figure it all out. It scares me, Baxter, because I'm taking my timbers to uh, take care of business in Portland. I think that hard-fought battle that Sporting had is going to have them tired. Um, they haven't always been clicking. They've been a bit of a worry recently. That was a great win they had against the Galaxy, but uh, you know, Namath has 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 been playing well, Dwyer's been playing well, Failhaber, as big of a fan of his as I am, so he he's hasn't been a bit recently. Right, right. And so. you look at
1: the sporting defense with Matt Beasler, Seth Sinovich, those guys have all played pretty good. But yeah, I mean in this game it's hard for me to, to go against Portland, but I, I, I like what sporting does mm-hmm. offensively, so I'm gonna have to go with Dom Dwyer and company winning all this right, game. All
0: right. Yeah, we'll see. You know, Portland's had ten goals in their last three games. Darlington Nagby finally has has woken up, and that's actually the main reason I'm taking Portland is because of Darlington.
1: Yeah, he won MLS Player of the Week.
0: U.S. Citizen now as well.
1: Yeah, get him in, Jurgen. I'd be fine with that, honestly. I would have no problem I, with you that. You know, I,
0: at least call him in, give him a shot. Put him in, coach. Of course, he'd be playing, like, left
1: back or something. He'd probably play goalie. Put him in, why not? So, uh, so the winners of the games uh, tonight and Thursday will move on to play games on Sunday. Uh, The Red Bulls and Columbus Crew hosting uh, those games in the east, and FC Dallas and Vancouver hosting in the
0: west. Of course, they'll play the the lowest seed that comes out of these.
1: Yep, the lowest seeds out of both winners will go to the first and second, uh, respectively.
0: People know. What am I saying? I
1: don't know. Why do we even do this? People know all about soccer, right? It's America. They think we know everything. America. Yeah. All right, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, it'll be time for our I Believe segments. I might go a little outlandish today. We'll see what happens. We'll be right back. This is 2 Up Front. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn.
0: And this is Simon Provan.
1: All right, Simon, a great show so far, talking about all kinds of things from the USL to the Carling Cup, right? Carling? Carling Cup. Carling, yeah. Car- I got it right this time, not Carlington or Curling <laughs> or whatever the heck I thought it was. And uh, a lot of other great things. We just talked about the MLS playoffs, some of the action going on right now during our recording, as well as uh, tomorrow night on Thursday, plus the uh, two-leg games will be taking place on Sunday as well. So, we have reached the part of the show, Simon, where we have a lot to talk about. I believe I believe I believe it is our I believe segment and the way it works is that we both get to offer I believe statements about anything we want to in uh, soccer as a whole, not just Major League Soccer, right, but soccer right. as a whole. All over the place. So, uh, I'm going to go first All this right. week. Um, I believe that, I forgot my I Believe segment. Uh, shoot. <laughs> I literally just had it. I'm so uh, glad that happened to you. Thank you. And I'll tell you why. Why? I'll, I'll
0: do mine then. As That's a, as fine. A tar, we've been doing a lot of talking, a lot of research this week. I'm, I'm, I'm really tired. And I realized earlier in the show, I gave away my I Believe. You did, yes. But I'm going to say it anyways. I believe that Nigel Pearson will be the next manager of Aston Villa. Now, Aston Villa, by the way, for those of you who don't know, is one of those clubs that is owned by an American. So, let me just revisit that a little bit. I'm actually a little bit surprised that Bob Bradley doesn't actually get interviewed for this job. Again, he's done a fine job in Norway. Absolutely. Uh, he has been, I mean, the the best club in Norway, granted I know it's Norway, but the best club in Norway has asked, actually <laughs> sought him out as well. Ah. Even though they're already in first place, they still wanted to... Uh, have him Everybody come over. Wants Bob. Swedish club came over to interview him. So I'm surprised that if if you would expect any club to give an American coach a chance, it would be a club owned by an American man, and that's the same man who owns the Cleveland Browns, by the way. How's that Maybe that has out something to do with it. That
1: might be what it is. I think I remembered what my I believe. Oh, okay, I good. believe that I remembered what my I believe segment is. Um, I believe, Simon, that there's going to be a rude awakening in L.A., and it's going to come in the form of Steven Gerrard. I think he Ooh, is going he to come out swinging in these playoffs. And number, either one of two things. He's either going to go completely outside of his mind and start playing at a higher level than we've ever seen him at, or he's going to be so confused at what's going on with the fact that he's in a playoff game <laughs> and get red carded, and then is going to be lost without him.
0: You know, he did come out and say, uh, he didn't use the word frustrated, but but if you read into his line, uh, he came out and basically said that he's he's surprised at how well his teammates are handling the loss to Sporting Kansas City because he was really upset about it. So I think you're right. I think he's he's upset about that. He's upset that he's he's seen players that he feels like just don't care. Yep. And uh, he's angry.
1: I'd be. I don't want to get in Stephen Gerard's way if he's mad. Well, talk about today. Two Upfront has been presented by Sports Radio America. Remember, you can get us right here on Sports Radio America from three to six p.m. Eastern Time on Fridays. Also on demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com. And we're also on social media. Simon,
0: we are on Facebook. We are Two Upfront on Twitter and Instagram. Our handles are the same at Two up front Soccer. Uh, Baxter is at Baxter Colburn, and I am at Simon Proven. Pretty simple.
1: Best thing we can do to keep it for the listeners. That's right. Nice and simple.
0: I think it's more for myself than anything, Probably. <laughs> Same for me, too. I'm like, what's your
1: Twitter? <laughs> uh, oh, it's my name. What's my name? Yeah, uh, okay. no, that's right. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to another edition of 2 Upfront. We will see you all again next week. Good luck to your favorite soccer team, regardless of are playing in the United States or abroad. Good luck to them, and we'll see you all again next week. With our manager being the one above, we are 2 Up Front.